0: Hi there and thanks for joining us. It has reached that time of the year where we take another look at what's going on with the Ignite programme at University College Cork which celebrates up-and-coming businesses that have been fostered within the university system. They did big awards, now it's time to find out how they got on. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business.
1: Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast.
0: First up, Eamon Curtin of Ignite at UCC. How are you? Jonathan, I'm great. Thank you very much. Lovely to talk to you again. And I can't believe that we have reached the point where we're talking about another reward ceremony. It was the slowest and fastest year in history, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. We're still back maybe. We're in 2020 in in some minds and we've moved on to 2021 in
0: other areas. but, But that's the way it goes with COVID, I think. Education does not stop, nor does entrepreneurship. So, you've combined both in UCC with the Ignite program. To those who are unfamiliar, you might explain to us what Ignite is.
2: Yeah, Ignite is a startup incubation program that's specifically designed to help recent graduates develop a startup idea. And typically, the guys we work with, they're um, just after completing maybe a bachelor's degree, a master's, or a PhD. <coughs> oftentimes, Their startup idea is maybe based on their final year project or or another area of study or perhaps master's or PhD level research. And they come to us with an idea for a startup. Um, And we select uh, two cohorts of 10 every year. And we work with them then over a 12 month period to develop that idea and to bring it to a point where they are in the market selling product services about ready to raise investment.
0: Uh, of course, now, this is Cohort 13. Uh, no coincidence that they were passing through the system during COVID-19, but it didn't hold them back, did it? No, it didn't. And I I I think the thing, look, the very nature of, of, of
2: entrepreneurship is to be able to respond to change and identify opportunities. So... You know, it, it, it can be a pretty simplistic, if you'd like, approach to say, oh, COVID has hit and that's going to make it more difficult for someone to start a business. In fact, in some ways it creates new opportunities and it makes things easier. And, you know, to give us one example, you know, we'll often ex- encourage the guys that we work with that they need to think about the fact they're developing global businesses. They just happen to be based in Cork. What COVID has actually shown is that it is as easy to connect with someone in New York a customer, a partner or, or an investor as it is to connect with somebody in Cork. So it's, it's you know, if anything, maybe open people's eyes to, to the greater global opportunity, just the very nature that we can't get out and about on our bike or into the car in downtown for that cup of coffee. Uh, and I think that's a, a significant benefit. Also, what we're finding is that a lot of individuals have more time to maybe to, to support our startups by way of, early customer engagement, providing feedback, insights, those types of things that, you know, maybe those busy executives and entrepreneurs um, were spending so much time traveling in the past. They had less time to do that. They're spending less time traveling. They have more time to give back. So I think there are two positives we've seen over the last 12
0: months. Hmm. And of course, there's no harm to having um, a, a relationship uh, with any client or a business being set up that's forged in fire, that's forged in a crisis. It'll probably make this cohort a little more resilient.
2: I, I think the key word there is resilience. Um, and I think the, the self-confidence and yeah, that word resilience that comes from overcoming a challenge and knowing that you can overcome future challenges as well is, is hugely valuable. And, um, you know, I, I, I think even aside from COVID, what we've seen is that some of our more successful startup founders have had challenges in, in their past in life. And that might be positive challenges, as in maybe aspiring towards elite sports, for example, or let's call them negative challenges, difficulties that they've had to overcome. And that their ability to do that has given them that, uh, that bit of steeliness and that self-confidence and that self-reliance to know that they can overcome challenges and clearly then getting a startup off the ground in a difficult situation, difficult economic situation, such as COVID, for example, adds to that as well.
0: There's a great mix normally in the Ignite businesses. Who have you got?
2: Yeah, we, again, we've got a great mix. Um, if I try to work them through maybe alphabetically, to be fair, Brian Mallin is working on Bridge and he's developing a consultancy service to support uh, corporations to better harness their CSR, their community engagement, who improve their top line, improve their bottom line, and indeed improve uh, staff retention. Um, Eric Teen is developing a, a smart sleeping mask, and uh, its sleep, its connection to stress, and its connection to performance is all important. Uh, Eric's product uses binaural beats to help relieve stress and, and uh, allow people... Uh, Uh, better sleep and therefore perform better. Um, uh, Marian Cantle is developing a a pit seal. Um, Marian comes from a farming background. She completed a a, a food um, marketing degree in UCC. As part of that, she developed some concepts around, um, effectively, what's now a a biodegradable sealant that can be used to replace plastics on silage pits which has a, a benefit also of reducing carbon gas emissions and is safer for farmers to use. So potentially can reduce farm accidents. Um, James O'Brien is developing DESDE. James is an architect and he's identified the difficulties that architects and their clients have in getting the right connection. Oftentimes that uh, the, the, the what the, The client is looking for in terms of style is not necessarily what the architect is offering, and the matching difficult can be processed. So he's building out a platform that eases that. Uh, Kevin Murphy is developing Cardio Flourish. Um, Kevin is coming at this from a background of of, uh, physiotherapy uh, and looking at how cardiac post-cardiac patients are managing their rehabilitation. Uh, again, there's a COVID impact there in in the difficulty that they have had visiting their therapists. So, how can that therapy those therapy sessions be moved online to allow the cardiac care patient at home to continue the rehabilitation under the supervision of of the relevant um, person? Uh, Patrick O'Regan has a, a background in basketball and has identified the challenge that elite athletes have to face in accessing uh, international scholarships with an initial target market, the the NCAA in the US, um, and also understands the difficulty that those colleges have in finding the right talented individual for their programs. So Reach the Top is about bringing both of those together. Uh, And Niall Crowley is developing Base Vault, um, which is a, a management platform for financial institutions Um, to help them manage all aspects of their business um, better than they're currently doing.
0: so that's hey, that's that's quite the list, and it's yeah, you got everyone in there. That's that's the uh, that's the top of the pops when there it comes to the ignite group that you have this year. Um, look, if we were to dive into this, you, you do you do this with support from the local authorities, uh, from the local enterprise offices, from Bank of Ireland and others, but you're looking for support from industry as well. What what do you say to people who who are out in industry who might be able to lend some support, either mentorship or some other type of support? How how do they get involved? Well. It- I, th- I think, first of
2: all, maybe, why would they get involved? And, and uh, Ignite, as a program, while it's based in UCC, is open to third-level graduates from, from any third-level institution. Uh, we have about 35,000 students between Munster Technical University and, and uh, uh, UCC. Um, there's about 10,000 of those students graduating every year. Within those 10,000 students are individuals, like some of the folks I've just mentioned, like Marion Pantlin or, or Niall Crowley are or Eric T and or others, who have it within them to start a business, who want to start a business. And we're only able to support 20 of those every year at this point in time. Uh, what we found in the past is that many of them will go on to build scalable startups and create employment. And some of them will go on to create self-employment opportunities for themselves and others and create micro-businesses. And many will also take the skills, the attitude, the knowledge that they have developed in starting a business and bringing it into their career, being more innovative, being more entrepreneurial in, in, in their careers. So, um, it's it's we're only scratching the surface. We, you know, with more support, mm. more resources, we can bring more of those people through to create more startups, more micro enterprises, okay. and, and develop the skills to allow them to be good, innovative, entrepreneurial employees.
0: And identify the next big thing as well. And of course, you're looking for the next round of graduates as well. Ignite 16 uh, will be starting in the autumn. And anyone who wants to have a look at it and find out more details and maybe express an interest uh, can visit the website. It's ignite.ucc.ie. Anyway, we have two of the current class uh, ready to talk to us. So we better go and talk to them. But for now, Eamon Curtin of Ignited UCC, thanks so much for joining us, Eamon. Jonathan, great to talk to you again.
1: Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast.
0: Right then, let's speak to one of the first guests from the Ignite programme. We heard a little bit about Base Vault there from Eamon Curtin. Its co-founder is Niall Crowley and he's with us now. How are you, Niall? Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm not going to pretend I understand it. So you're going to have to explain what Base Vault is to me.
1: Yeah, so in short, we provide a platform and a framework for buyers and sellers in the capital markets to interact directly. So this cuts out a lot of the middlemen in each transaction whenever a trade is booked.
0: So you're dealing with the likes of wealth management firms and brokers and banks in general. How how do these processes traditionally work, the ones that you're filling the gap for?
1: Um, So it's very complicated and a huge cost to uh, any financial services firm so usually when a trade is booked it will go into a complicated flow of systems in in the back office of say a bank and it eventually will end up with a clearing house or a custodian or a settlement service and all of these different transactions need to be matched it needs to be reconciled loads of different points of failure so using our system we, by connecting buyers to sellers directly, we can safely migrate away from these legacy systems that are a huge burden to banks who spend eighty percent of their i t budget on maintaining these systems. We can cut them out of the equation and cut out the clearing houses to provide faster trading and cheaping cheaper trading environment
0: okay and how did Nile Crowley uh, fall into this uh, because it sounds like you you saw a problem from the inside and identified a solution and built it out
1: yeah uh, it was born out of frustration i almost quit my last job in a fit of rage hmm. um so i i was a capital markets technology consultant for uh, equity equity trading in in prime broking divisions and i worked for various different banks ar- around uh, europe and africa um Primarily based out of Johannesburg and, and Paris, and every single bank, big household names, had the exact same issue of these legacy and zombie systems. Um, really, like just being a complete nightmare to deal with. So, as a consultant, I was just I was just a bit fed up with it all, and I thought maybe I can change something. Um, and that's when I came across distributed ledger technology and how it might be the key to moving away from this. Restrictive and inflexible way of doing doing trades.
0: The wheels move very slowly in finance as a rule. They're cautious. Mm-hmm. They're very nervous. They and, and most importantly, the the end user whose money it is needs to be constantly assured that they're not going to lose it somewhere along the way. How did you overcome that anxiety?
1: Um, well, yeah, the the old phrase of no one ever got fired for buying IBM really holds true in, in finance. So. We know we're a startup um, and we are not even really going to approach very large investment banks at all at the start. Instead, the exact same issues are present for small financial advisors or pension managers here in Cork. Um, They still want to give a really good client experience and cut down on their back office operations. So that's what we're doing right now. We're building up our market reputation by... um, providing products for the Irish fund management sector. And then we're going to work our way up from there. And another key differentiator is we are open sourcing most of our technologies. So if you wanted to, you could look at exactly what the code is doing. And it brings a huge amount of transparency when you deal with us, that if, if mm. there is an issue or if you want to know how something works at its core, you can actually view the code yourself and even contribute to it.
0: And how did being involved in the Ignite program help you?
1: Oh, massively. As as a first-time founder, um, I knew that I didn't know that much about starting a business, um, but there's so much to it. I mean, Ignite were really, really good at just getting the relevant people in front of us, so they get people in from like different law firms or, or auditing firms like KPMG, run us through all the different tax burdens and things to watch out for and uh, cash flows is like a massive thing and uh, online marketing um one massive thing that really stuck out to me was uh, validating your idea, which I, I definitely think is the biggest downfall of most startups is that they don't speak to enough customers, whether mm. they don't really think it's as important. Um, they might think if you build it, they will come. Um, Ignite really showed me that is absolutely not true and that I really tried to speak to as many end users as possible. And what I had in my head originally is nowhere near the same as what I have now. What I have now is it looks like a viable business. What I had 12 months ago was a complete joke of random stuff I thought was cool, basically.
0: Yeah, but see, that's where a lot of businesses fall down is that they have a great idea. The trick is to talk to your customers and then work out what you're doing right and what you need to walk away from. How hard was it to walk away from what you thought was cool and interesting to give probably what you thought was a more mundane product but the one the customers wanted?
1: Yeah, well, now now I'm used to it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I sort of go into uh, customer meetings more not trying to validate my idea but more invalidate it. So... I asked the sort of tough questions, like you know what would you actually pay for this um up up front? It means that it sort of now saves me time whenever I'm sort of ruling out an idea I thought was cool that you know no one's willing to pay for it, so I'll just move on into into something else. so now I'm used to it um at the start, it was a bit um it was a bit tough to let go, but uh I think Eamon and Michelle really helped out with um just driving the whole thing forward.
0: Um, So what advice would you give to somebody? I mean, we were talking with Eamon there about uh, the next group coming in and the next entrepreneurs who could be anywhere in the system uh, ready to join up. What's the advice you'd give them?
1: Um, Yeah, I suppose just be, just really consume everything um, that's given to you. Not only if you're in Ignite, but especially if you're a first-time founder, I would really recommend going into some incubator or uh, accelerator program and just, really accepting that you don't know that much and um, like you know even just the tax system and everything is such such a, uh, a maze to, to navigate that you should really try and consume every bit of knowledge and then obviously talk to your customers as much as possible um, because yeah if you build it and they will come that is absolutely untrue.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you have to learn as you go as well. Yeah. Nile, I wish you—you uh, you better mention your other co-founder, by the way, because you are the co-founder. Who have you worked with to get to this point?
1: Yeah, Conor McDonald. Um, he's been there since since day one. He's uh hes our CTO. Um, he's uh seeing as the whole system is actually built on blockchain technology. He's—he's he's been involved in blockchain now since you know Bitcoin started coming around almost ten years ago. Um, so yeah, we have good—we have some good brains behind the behind the operation.
0: Well, look, that's what we need to hear. Niall, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Best of luck uh, to you and all your colleagues in Baseball. And we look forward to hearing great things from you guys in the future. Niall Crowley, CEO of Baseball.io. Thanks for joining
1: us. Thanks very much. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.
0: Now on to our next Ignite participant, Marion Cantillon. How are you?
3: I'm great, Jonathan. How are you?
0: I'm great, good to talk to you. Tell us about Pitseal. Are you from farming stock that you came up with this idea?
3: Yeah, so I'm from a farming background and what Pitseal is is an eco-friendly solution to silage covering. Um, I've been surrounded with farming all my life, but my parents came from farms and all my extended family members have farming in some form of... So a
0: lot of farming (laughs) blood in the system, but it doesn't necessarily translate to creating um, an edible form of uh, silage wrapping uh, which is kind of what pit seal is all about isn't it
3: that's it exactly yeah so as part of my undergrad um, I got to study sustainable packaging in retail uh, they were trying to get rid out of uh, single-use plastics and that really sparked my interest and it wasn't until I saw the problems in agriculture with the plastic use- usage that I married the two ideas together
0: so for those who don't live in the country, like you and I, um, this is the wrapping that goes around bales of silage. Uh, you'd see that like, uh, people might in the city might recognise that sometimes they turn them pink to mark uh, cancer awareness. Uh, they're traditionally black or green, but they're very wasteful and getting rid of them safely, it tends to be a problem that there has to be a big environmental drive around it. So what's different about Pitseal? I kind of hinted at it there, but what does it do?
3: That's it exactly. So what we're main focused on actually silage pits so they're the ones that are covered with uh tires and black sheeting that you see usually in the countryside and our main aim is providing a spray on solution that removes the plastic sheeting and the tires making it a zero waste process so when it comes to winter time when the farmers need to feed their cattle their silage the cow consumes everything uh both the film and the the silage within the pit
0: so what do you say you spray it on how do you spray it on
3: yeah, so we've developed an applicator that sits on top of a trailer that actually just sprays the film onto the pit that forms an air and watertight seal, forming an air, an airtight matrix, really, on top of the grass.
0: So, what kind of wizardry is this? How does it work? I mean, what what is the material?
3: Yeah, so it's a seaweed-based um, biofilm. And the seaweed attributes to the methane-reducing elements of it, and the... The, I suppose the sugars and the proteins that were used in the matrix um help it solidify and form a tight matrix that is both air, airtight and watertight.
0: So you are effectively using seaweed to replace plastic?
3: Yes, yeah, seaweed derivatives, exactly, that's it.
0: When you brought this idea home to the farming stock, um, how did they respond to it? I mean, uh, it it sounds very scientific, and I'd imagine you're just giving me the top line because you realise I'm a bit thick. But when you were given the idea at home, uh, how was it received?
3: Oh, they've been incredible. My family have been so supportive, and all the aunts and uncles, everyone in between. Uh, Initially, it was definitely hard to try and get them to understand the concepts that I was going with because you have to think 12 months ago this was only an idea there was no prototype there was no product this was all just in our head and um, so it was great to get them on board at that stage I think they did think I was a bit mad at the beginning but now that it's coming to light and that it's forming I think they've definitely come around and they kind of see through all the madness
0: because it's not just the plastic that is environmentally unfriendly. You mentioned the tires, and the reason tires are used is they needed a heavy weight that would keep the plastic from blowing away. So if you take the tire off, uh, a it's better for the environment. But how do you stop the film, your little seaweed-based uh, biofilm, from blowing away?
3: Yeah, um great question. So as it is a spray-on film, it. Uh, semi-liquid so when it bonds with the grass it actually forms the matrix with the top layer of the grass so there's no need for any sort of excess weight to weigh it down because it's already bonded to the top layer of grass forming a complete uh, complete seal all the way around the pit um, so no need for any weights, and the water just runs off it so it's not like it's going to get dislodged uh, during high winds or uh, stormy weather during the winter
0: So I, I, look I'm, I'm fascinated at this because it, th- this has been a tough nut to crack this could be sold anywhere in the world, couldn't it? And have you any other competitor-style products in the market right now? Is is Pit Seal um, a trademark that is belonged to Marion Cantillon?
3: At the moment, yes, um, and of course, it can be sold anywhere in the world. And our main uh, export we're looking into now is Australia and New Zealand. Um competitor-wise, we're just competing with the existing alternative, which is plastic sheeting, but in the methane space, um, there's amazing research going on, and it's a great space to be in as part of a like, scientific student and as an innovator. Um, so with regards to methane, people are looking at different sorts of breathing cattle, um, they're looking at different sorts of feed to add to livestock, um, so there's quite numerous competitors in the methane space, but in terms of just... The silage competition, it's just plastic sheeting and tyres that I'm competing with at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's OK. That's a, hand, that's a handy playing field if you're to walk onto it. You've probably got other ideas in that head of yours, though, aren't you? There's probably other stuff floating around. If you came up with this, there's probably other things close to the surface, is there?
3: Exactly, yeah. And um, So what we're working on currently, which is really exciting, is adding nutrients into the film because... Obviously, being in Ireland, you can never guarantee that silage will always be top quality just due to the variance in temperatures and the weather that we get in this country. So some summers, it can be very poor quality silage. So to ensure that there's enough nutrients in the silage, uh, we're looking at ways to incorporate nutrients into the film, irregardless whether what weather we
0: have in okay. this country, and God, we have a lot of weather in this country. Uh, there, there's certainly no shortage of uh, of challenges for it. But look, it sounds like a really unique idea, an environmentally sustainable idea, and one that will definitely uh, be very popular amongst the farming community. Pitseal is the name of the company, Marion Cantillon. We look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thanks so much for talking to us at Red Business. Thank you so
3: much, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure.
0: My thanks to all of my guests. Don't forget, you can download every episode of Red Business from redextra.ie. Karen McDonough was the producer on this podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.